the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along for the Thursday, September 10th edition of the stay-at-home version of The Ride Home. Kathy, good to see you. How are things in the spare room? Uh, They're hot today, John. Thank you for asking. It's the last hot day. Do you not know that? I'm fine with it. Yeah, because it's summertime. I'm not complaining. I've reached the point in the fall that i am just soaking up every one of these days Mm -hmm. and i'm going to be happy no matter what that's a very healthy attitude i feel like i'm growing yeah you are very Mm -hmm. right right in front of our eyes here Mm -hmm. okay are you growing enough though to go downtown no no you're not going to go downtown nope okay now listen uh the actions of protesters saturday on Penn Avenue is an isolated incident says Pittsburgh downtown partnership president Jerry Waldrop um, he said that um, we welcome protests. We understand the needs for folks to get out during these times and demand change while adding the public conflicts Saturday were not indicative of what has happened in the city this summer. Vice President uh, Pence, who was in town yesterday, he addressed these issues. Part of his stump yesterday, he says, quote, frankly, the people of Pittsburgh ought to be able to sit at an outdoor restaurant or go to McDonald's without being harassed. Folks, it's got to stop. All right. I, I would go downtown. Nope. Not really? Me. Really? Nope. Listen, you yeah, know, you're, you're an urban lover. I know. And you know how much I love the cultural district. Yeah. Right. Listen, that video really, really angered me. It really did. If we can't figure out the difference between protesting and that, then, our, you know, the mayor, uh, the uh, wh- whoever is in charge, then we need like we don't know what we're doing like you watch those videos that's not a protest no it's not which just well, again i i believe it was a small group 6 10 whatever number of people of just loose coconuts right and you've not seen okay, that okay so the actual protesters need to come out and in. say look you're not us so you know they're just there has to be an element of law and order while these protests are going on or the people who are actual who have invested financially and their energies and their time and everything in trying to develop a restaurant or continue a restaurant or whatever are going to go away i hope that's not true because i hope that's not true too but you know know that's going to happen and i listen to me i am a person who loves the cultural district and i'm not going down there right now we were just talking about what we're going to do over the weekend and i said to my husband this is me you this is me kathy emman saying this well i'll tell you one place i'm not going is downtown oh don't even say that listen to me i'm saying that as someone who loves downtown listen that's how bad it is that's how bad those videos were uh i again look i've been going downtown since i was a little kid first with my mom and then by myself and then worked downtown lived downtown went to school downtown so i'm going to continue to go downtown 
I just believe it was just, listen, uh, to entice you to go downtown, uh, the um, Pittsburgh Business uh, District is doing something called Shopoly, Shopopoly, which is like uh, Monopoly, Shopopoly. Yeah. Okay. And so they've, uh, you go downtown, you go to a list of about 25 different retailers and um, you visit them. You, you don't have to buy stuff, but just visit and they're giving out prizes. Uh, grand prize is a $2,500 diamond ring. Whoa. Also stays at hotels in the downtown Pittsburgh area. Meals, of course. And it's uh, going on uh, starting Friday throughout this weekend. Shopopoly. I would h- I highly recommend you do that. I love that. I love that. To entice they, people to get on downtown. I think it would help for the mayor to come out and say, we, th- this cannot stand. We're going to make changes. So this is not going to happen. He needs to stand up for the people who own businesses downtown. I have not been privy. Has the mayor spoken out at all about this? I the wonder? mayor did say, I was just looking today at, I just shut the article. I'm sorry to tell you, uh, okay. but the mayor did well, come out. out. Yeah. He has spoken out and said that that is inappropriate behavior, Good. but that, okay. But that that's like the bottom line, le- the bottom level response. At least he if, said if, something. Yeah. But if you're the owner or the manager of that McDonald's, oh my God. you want someone to come down to your store yeah. and say, you know what, pal, I am so sorry. I'm in favor of protest, but that was not protest. And we're going to stand behind you and do whatever we can to make sure that you can continue to have this store. Now, you know, that McDonald's for many, many oh, years, yeah, there, there was, you know, security in that store. Sure. They, right. Was, always yeah but, i was I surprised that's funny you should bring that up because when i saw the video i thought what happened to the cops who are usually mm, in there yeah, because exactly. that that's something that we all just came to expect yep but uh, you know i mean downtown's got to be a ghost town i mean you know in the article in the trip about shopopoly they're saying you know a lot of these uh, uh, business owners are saying my business is down at least 50 percent which right. i think at least 50 like, percent and like COVID isn't bad enough Oh my gosh, of course. And then you add this whole other layer. So all the restaurants, all the, all the clothing stores, all that. I mean, the downtown used to be the place to go. Didn't you? I, whenever listen, I would go down there as a kid, you'd be like a big adult. there's huge revitalization. Downtown is such a fun place to be. I'll tell you what I love to do at the end of the summer. Hmm. I love to go down and park somewhere. I don't know, maybe at the convention center, you know, maybe somewhere. It's so hard to find a parking space in the cultural district, but somewhere in there, right? Yeah. And then you, you go eat dinner, right? Someplace on, on Penn Avenue. Maybe a couple places on Penn Avenue. Maybe you go have an appetizer at one place. Maybe you have yeah. an entree at another place. Okay. Then you walk down to the river and you go all the way down to oh, the fountain. Nice. Mm-hmm. You hang out at the fountain and it's awesome. And then very, you watch nice. the sunset and you stay there for a while. And then you walk back and then maybe you stop at someplace on Penn Avenue and get dessert. Or it. maybe an extra taco. Or just by going to a, you know, a ball game, going to see the Bucks at PNC Park. Right. Walking down there, you know, crossing the Clemente Bridge, all that. That seems like a dream right now, doesn't it? I know. It It seems like some wonderful fantasy I had at one point. Well, someday soon, hopefully it'll come back. This time next year, please, please, please. I mean, mean, look, the unemployment numbers are through the roof. And, of course, uh, Washington's dragging their feet. Who knows if they're going to help people? But uh, it's quite a mess out there. And we've got it, which I'm... It's wonderful that today on our show, we're having one of our favorite guests, Jay Werner Wallace, who's a cold case homicide investigator, spent his whole career as a policeman to talk about how we support our good cops, right? We all want to do that. It's the best thing for everybody. 
Yeah, of course it is. It's right? the best thing for the protesters. It's the best thing for the shop owners. It's the best thing for all of us. Right. You want there to be, uh, you know, uh, some sort of a security and safety. And, you know, the ironic thing is, you know, we've seen this time and time again, the protesters are, are, are counterattacked by other groups. And then they're, they're the first ones to call. You better call a cop. Oh, yeah. Well, guess what? I mean, the cops aren't coming because you've been yelling and telling them all they're horrible for the last but three months. Anyway, so look, I, I hope soon that your uncomfortability, I'll say that, of downtown Pittsburgh passes. Okay. And that the downtown dis- business district will flourish once I again. Hope so too. And resume its uh, normal uh, beauty. Okay. I'm totally behind you. All right, good. What's up for uh, next? We're talking to uh, Jay Warner Wallace. Yeah, we're talking to Jay Warner Wallace. Also, a lot coming up in today's program. Mm -hmm. In the five o'clock hour, we'll talk to our friend Karen Swallow Pryor about what it means to live as a Christian, even when your denomination or your church or your pastor does something wacky, right? Mm -hmm. How do you keep believing in Jesus when it seems like a lot of the institutions or people who serve him are just messed up? So that's in the five o'clock hour. We'll also talk about the unbelievable fire, wildfires that are just savaging the American Southwest, um, Northwest, sorry. So we'll talk about that in the five o'clock hour. Um, Also in the four o'clock hour, we'll talk about key findings about the religious lives of U.S. teens and their parents from the Pew Research Council. And as I said, we'll talk about cops, good cops and bad cops, and how we deal with the scourge of racism in America. It's Jay Warner Wallace next on the Thursday edition of The Ride Home. WORD. A worldwide pandemic, rampant school shootings, heated political disputes. Does it ever feel as though God has just left us to spin out of control? Well, that's what the prophet Habakkuk thought in his day. So if you ever wonder how you can be a person of faith when your world seems out of control, then join us this week on Through the Bible. This evening at 9 p.m. on 101.5 WORD. I know that on those tablets Mr. Moses brought down is the commandment to not covet. But I'll confess, my neighbor and his lawnmower is making it tough. He's got this stand-behind, ride-along space shuttle that covers probably three times more space than my trusty old lawn boy. So, when we have Who Mows the Fastest races, which are completely fabricated in my head, he has some impressive advantages that I just don't have. And at our Faith and Family Mortgage Team, we're blessed to have a pretty special advantage of our own, and one that could be a big deal for you. Our team is lucky to be an arm of a bigger company that is a direct lender which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls, an advantage that often allows us to get you a better rate, saving you monthly and lifelong money on a refinance or new home purchase. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park, Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to animalistconsumeraccess.org. Corporate animalist number 1330. Equal housing lender. Licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, or Utah. This is time that matters. A window of time to help protect the ones you love. Your preteen benefits from staying up to date with their well visits. This is your window of protection. Schedule their well visit now. Brought to you by Merck. Every two minutes, a woman in the U.S. is diagnosed with breast cancer. And in that moment in time, her life changes forever. We're fighting alongside patients because we know one moment can change a lifetime. 
Hey, this is Owen Strand with a quick word on the upcoming election. So much of what we care about is at stake. Religious liberty, all of our First Amendment freedoms, the cause of life and reliable judges, rule of law, even civil order. Make sure you're registered and prepared to vote, whether at the polling place or by absentee ballot. Our nation is at a crossroads, and every vote counts. Don't sit this election out. Hey, are you guys open? Yeah, yeah, we are. Come on in. As businesses reopen across the nation, is your business prepared for what comes next? Salem Surround can help. COVID-19 brought America's thriving economy to a screeching halt. But now, local businesses are getting back to normal. Are you ready for the return to business and all that pent-up consumer demand? Contact Salem Surround. Learn more by logging on to surroundpittsburgh.com. Surroundpittsburgh.com. Connecting you with new customers. Well, what's happened here in Pittsburgh locally and, of course, uh, across the country, everyone's talking about race and law enforcement. Our next guest, our first guest on today's show is one of our favorite guests. Jay Warner Wallace, for decades, was a beat police officer. Then he became a detective. Then he became a homicide detective. Then a, a cold case homicide detective. Uh, Jay Warner is now uh, retired as a detective. He's also senior fellow at the Colson Center for Christian Worldview, adjunct professor of apologetics at Biola, author of Cold Case Christianity and God's Crime Scene, also forensic faith and creator of the Casemakers Academy for Kids. Jay Warner is here to talk to us today about bridging the thin blue line, how the gospel saves us from racial divide. Jim, welcome back to the show. How are you, sir? Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Looking forward to talking to you. Oh, it's Always so good. good to hear your voice, Jim. Um, and I want to start by asking about our fair city. Um, we had uh, a fracas, as they're calling it, over the weekend. Um, two protests uh, in the name of Black Lives Matter, which went horribly awry. Have you seen any of the video, Jim? No, I have not. I heard a little bit about it, but I have not seen uh, the video yet. So you tell me. Yeah. Well, there are two videos. Uh, The first one took place in what we call the Cultural District, which is on Penn Avenue in downtown Pittsburgh. And um, it's it started with a protest going on in the street in front of a bunch of diners that were at an outdoor restaurant. Um, It quickly um, descended into pointing, name-calling. Um, a protester hit a, a cyclist on the head with a skateboard. That's kind of, that That was the, the first descent, I guess. And then after that, it turned into protesters going over to the tables of people who were dining, um, using really offensive language, um, picking up, you know, water glasses of drinking patrons and drinking them. Right. And then you know, I did break- see that. I did see that video. Yes. Yeah. Breaking fact, glass. Anyway. Right. And yeah. then the second, the second <clears throat> one was just a little more of the same, except that they went into a McDonald's, which is also in downtown Pittsburgh and just started throwing all sorts of invective at the manager of the store who also is an African-American. And so the manager of the store came out and got into a huge verbal altercation trying to get these people the heck out of his store. Anyway, it was as it was just really ugly. Right. But, um, you know, Jim, it has that sort of tag, though, because it would be safe to say, and this is in quotes, it was a mostly peaceful demonstration. Yeah, you know, of course. Uh, yeah, look, a lot of this is, and I'll just say this up front, um, if you think back to the, <clears throat> the movement we saw in the civil rights movement, it, to be honest, it, it, you affect change by helping the other side of whatever issue it is you're talking about. 
to to see the shame in what they're doing. So so for example, you know, years ago when we saw the the video of the um, National Guardsman walking up the young uh, child uh, to a, a segregated school. Well, he, sure. He's walking up, I think, a six-year-old girl to, to right. you know, a black girl to the school. It, you could not help but but feel a deep sense of shame that it had come to this. Mm-hmm. And when you are able to to shame the other side to make them realize that that this is what they've done or how they've behaved is is truly shameful. And when they get to see it and they actually recognize it for themselves. True change begins, right? Because you realize, wow, this cannot continue. What you have to be careful about, though, of course, is you cannot get to a place where the side you're trying to influence can point back to you and say, well, I might agree with you on these issues, but that thing you're doing is also shameful. You've, you've lost that, that the, the, the equilibrium. You've, you've lost the weight that shame can actually move people by way of their conscience to do something they ought to do. And so I think it's a, any movement like this, especially in a world that is so driven or so polarized, look, let's face it, discourse is driven by social media. And social media, because of its anonymity, you can, you basically, everyone's just a hammer looking for a nail. And so because that's the world we're living in right now, before you'd have an interaction with your neighbor, who would you be living next to tomorrow? So you didn't say things. And they knew, you knew where he lived. He knew where you lived. Now you're having interactions with people who are across the world using a phony name and no picture on their social media so they can say whatever they want and there's no way to actually come back to them. That is the biggest difference. And what's happening in a movement here where a lot of people would say, well, look, unless you're just an evil person, we would all agree that racism is, is not a good thing. It's something we want to stop. But in order to make the, the movement work, I think you have to remember the power of shame and make sure that you're always leveraging that in, in the favor of the movement that, that is seeking change. And so what's happened here, I think, is that we, you, you got, if you're not careful, then you have more to be ashamed of than you're trying to shame the other mm-hmm. side for doing, and you lose your ability to, to affect change. Right. Oh, so, Jim, you're saying if you lose the moral high ground, then all right. of a sudden your whole argument is in danger of, of disappearing. Yeah, well, there's another way to do this, right? You either can you either woo people toward a position that you think has is virtuous, that has is the highest moral um, um, position to take, or you push people in that, that direction because out of fear. So, so there's two ways to do it, right? And I think we have to be careful not and anyone who's trying to affect change in, in a culture has to be careful not to try to do it the second way, because all that means is at some point your your position, your group may not have the power. Your group may not be in that position to to to, to you know push people to a to, to a to, to a, a decision. So that doesn't. La- but but if the other side decides on their own that this is the moral high ground they want to hold with you, well then they come to you and they stay with you, and that's what's happening here. You got two ways to do it. You can either woo people towards your position or you can push them towards your position, and the second approach does not last for very long. Okay, so then uh, clearly when you look at race relations here in America and, you know, um, especially black people coming to America against their will, being held as slaves for generation after generation, this is a time for reckoning. Whether, you know, we agree with this or not or want it or not, it is a necessary time of some event that has to change in our national consciousness. So uh, when you, you know, you follow along on social media, you see the vitriol, you see the anger. And, you know, you see Portland burning down or Seattle or Chicago or New York City. But you and I, Jim and Kathy and Mike here as believers in Jesus Christ, we are compelled to have a different way to approach this, to look at this, to talk about it, to think about it. Are we not? 
Well, yeah, we are. And, and this is the one, it's two things. If we don't have a, a kind of a, a moral foundation we all agree on, it's really hard to point back to that moral foundation we don't share. And this is why when I taught ethics at our agency, uh, police department, you know, I, I want to teach it from the principles that Jesus taught. But if everyone's not a Jesus follower, it'll be tough, right? Because you'll have people who just won't, simply won't agree with you. They just will say, oh, well, I don't see it that way. So what you have to do is figure out, like, what are the transcendent principles we all kind of intuitively agree on? And they don't necessarily are described from a Christian worldview. But it's really tough in this moment because the thing that could actually solve the problem, the thing that has the only power to solve the problem is the one thing that for the most part as a culture we've kind of walked away from. And we haven't even allowed – we won't even allow ourselves to talk about it, you know, and that's the gospel. The gospel is the thing that, that changes the entire equation, yet we're in a culture in which we that, – that, you know, maybe, for example, if you'd have gone back 40 years, the gospel could still be preached as part of the solution. I just don't know that it can be done anymore. I, the reason why I say that is that I'm not even sure politically that there are enough people on both sides who are really truly Christ followers who would even be able to articulate the gospel in a way that the culture would go, oh, yeah, he's right or she's right. Um, that's the problem I see today is that we don't even have a, a knowledge of what the gospel is uh, culturally that we could we could share it with each other. So, But that is the, uh, the solution, and I think you and I both know that. That is the solution. Yeah, yeah. I was uh, just recently reading again for the umpteenth time a portion of uh, MLK's letter from a Birmingham jail. And again, yeah. I thought to myself, there is such an intellectual weight to what he's doing. There's so much patience and fortitude, but there's also so much intellectual rigor in what he in the case he's making. Um, so it's not just an emotional case, though it is one. Um, it's also a rational case. Um, and I just, I, I long for that for on all sides. Yeah, that's a great point you're making because the reality of it is, um, is that it, what, we're hearing, what we're seeing now and the passion you're seeing in the streets is an entirely emotional um, case being made uh, for why we ought to agree. You know, it's all, it's all emotion. That, uh, what's happened is I think we've become lazy uh, in the sense that we are much more visual culture. We want it quicker. We want it on YouTube. We want it. Uh, we don't want to wait more, you know, longer than if, if it takes you two minutes to lay the foundation for an argument. Most people have already switched it off. Uh, we just become lazy thinkers, and so that the, the emotional cases that can be made are far more powerful than, than the rational cases that can be made. And these rational cases take longer to 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 to, to unwrap for people. But as you and I both know that the gospel is a leveler. The gospel levels the ground very very quickly. We are all created in the image of God. So that's the good news. Bad news is we're all deeply rebellious and in need of a savior. But this is something that all of us share, and this is why it's a leveler. It doesn't, the gospel is absolutely colorblind. As a matter of fact, there are several key figures in scripture of color, uh, historical figures. Uh, that, that, For example, they're in script, both Old Testament and New Testament, Zipporah in Numbers, uh, the Shulamite in uh, Song of Solomon, uh, let's see, Bathsheba in Second Samuel. The Queen of Sheba in First Kings, Simon of Cyrene uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, who helps Jesus with the cross, uh, Simeon, who was called Niger in Acts 13, and even the Ethiopian eunuch. In, in all of these situations in Scripture, you never see any of these characters described by their race or by their skin color. You don't. Uh, they are. They, and why would that be? Why would these? And scholars will look at those and they'll say yeah, every single one of those is, is either black or brown skinned. Yet they're never described that way. 
And you never see those kinds of distinctions in Scripture because that's not important to God. It, yeah. God does not – you see this all the time. It's every, you, Acts 10, God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is except anyone who fears him and does what is right. Anyone, okay? Every nation, anyone. That's the view that God has toward us. He doesn't see the distinctions that we make for ourselves. And so that's where I think we have to help people to see that there is a level here. It's not you don't trust you don't trust my benevolence towards you as a white person or as a police officer. Instead, we're going to trust the that the actual claims of God in Scripture. That man might look on the outward appearance in First Samuel it says, but the Lord looks on the heart. And there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's no male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Paul says to the Galatians. Well, that's, that's the, the stuff that actually levels the ground and puts us all in the same place. But, but by the way, you and I both know that our, our nature is such that if it wasn't skin color we'd be dividing over, it would be something else. Right. It's in our nature to seek people who are like us and to shun people who are otherly. So if it wasn't skin color, if we were all the same race, all the same sex, all the same skin color, even all the same height, same physical appearance – well, then we would look for something else to divide over because our nature is to divide because we are deeply fallen. We all have a need for a savior because it's our pride that says, you know, I, I like me and you're not me. So I don't like you as much you know, because that's what <laughs> right. we do. And that yeah. otherly nature, this is expressing itself in this generation right now at this time in our, through, through race. But if it wasn't race, if it was just a matter of I live on the even side of the street, you live on the odd side of the street. Well, you know, odd people are odd, so I need to stay over there. We would find a way to, to divide over the side of the street we live on. Yeah, that's an excellent and if point. And if you don't believe me on this, just look at those nations who look a lot alike Yeah, and live across the border from each other. And they still have problems, just like yeah. we do. Jim, we need to step away for a minute. Can you stick around for a few minutes with us? Absolutely. Excellent. We're talking to Jay Warner Wallace. Jim's a Dateline featured cold case detective. His uh, seminal work, which we love, Cold Case Christianity. We'll talk with Jim in just a few more minutes. Stick around. The Ride Home with Johnny Kathy here on Word FM. Turkey and stuffing, real mashed potatoes, sliced top round, Aunt Emma's broccoli casserole, chicken and gravy over buttermilk biscuits. Am I making you hungry yet? Hi, it's me, Marsha, from the Springhouse. You have a special event coming up in your life, a shower, a wedding, graduation party, company party, anniversary event, or any occasion where you'd love to serve all-natural, farm-fresh foods, then it's time to give the Springhouse Catering Department a call at 724-228-3339. From your first conversation with Dawn, who will help you create a menu that's unique to you, to the beautiful, bounteous setup and display that my sister Jill and her crew create, you will be delighted. After every catering event, Jill tells our cooks, I wish I could take you with me so you could hear all the wonderful comments guests give us. Give us a call at 724-228-3339 or check out our extensive menu at springhousemarket.com for farm fresh catering from the Springhouse. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership, but not the Word FM Discount Shopping Club. In our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. Discount deals just in time for birthdays, special occasions, or just because. And all from the comfort of your own computer or smartphone. Great deals and awesome savings. Log on now to wordfm.com, keyword shopping. 
Hi, this is John Hall, telling you how much I love my pillow and how it's really changed my sleep. Check out the new mattress topper. It's truly amazing. I don't know if I love my pillow or the my pillow mattress topper more. Get a my pillow mattress topper and get some of the best sleep of your life. It comes with a 10-year warranty and a cover that's washable and dryable. It is made in the USA and backed with Mike Lindell's 60-day money-back guarantee. MyPillow.com. Save 30%. Use promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954 when you do. Mike will give you two standard MyPillows for free. That's MyPillow.com, promo code WORD, or by calling 800-391-0954. Seriously, get the best night's sleep of your life. It's all about MyPillow, 800-391-0954. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. The Crohn's and Colitis Foundation has been at the forefront of inflammatory bowel disease research and care for over 50 years. Learn more about research, education, and support at Crohn'sColitisFoundation.org. This is Kathy Emmons. John and I are grateful for the encouragement we have from all of our advertisers and especially our friends at Grove City College. Thanks to everyone at Grove City for supporting the ride home. We are everywhere. On your radio at 101.5 WORD-FM Pittsburgh at wordfm.com, the Word FM mobile app by heart, tune in and at radio.com. Partly cloudy skies tonight, low 62. It'll be pleasant tomorrow with sunshine and patchy clouds, the high 78. Partly cloudy tomorrow night with a low of 60. Mostly cloudy skies Saturday with a passing shower, Saturday's high 79. Mostly cloudy Sunday, it will be humid with a couple of thunderstorms, mainly early in the day. Sunday will reach a high of 76. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. We're talking about racism and the gospel here in the United States of America. Jay Warner Wallace is with us. Jim has been a police officer his entire career, first as a beat officer, then later on as a detective. His seminal work is Cold Case Christianity. Also, he's the author of God's Crime Scene, Forensic Faith, and creator of the Casemakers Academy for Kids. Jim, uh, you know, of course, Police officers have been front and center, uh, you know, on the web and in newspapers and whatnot, calls to defund the police and whatnot. Now, you were a police officer, as I just said, for many, many decades. Mm -hmm. That is a really difficult position to be in, to trying to be the right force for good and at the same time surrounded by a few bad apples who make things difficult. Can you give us your perspective of all those decades of what it was to be a police officer and to walk that tightrope? Well, okay, so my dad was a cop before me. I was born in his academy. Uh, I, I then worked for 25 years in the same profession as my father, and my son was born in my academy. He's about eight years on the job now. So we've had three generations wow. who are, and you know, I, I feel for my son because I think that, like, nobody um, hates a dirty cop more than a clean cop, than a, than a good cop. I mean, nobody wants to have their their image tarnished for something that they didn't do or would, ne- would never think to do. But I will say this. I think what's happened here is we have started to misconstrue what it is we're asking police officers to do. In other words, even when I see a shooting that I would say is, wow, you know, I might not like it. I may not like that it happened. 
but the details of the shooting are clean. I mean, that this is a justified shooting. Yeah. The, the culture around us still looks at it and says, this is not a justified shooting because they don't right. think they understand what it is. In other words, police officers are always going to act at one level above the hostility they're experiencing. In other words, the goal here is for the police officer to be able to continue to do his job to protect the community he's called to protect. And you can't do it if you're dead. So I'm not, we're not going to wait to take a shot before we shoot, right? So if somebody has a gun and it's in their hand and they even so much as bring it up, we're going to shoot. Because the idea here is for us to be able to continue to do our job in the next two minutes. And you can't do it if you've taken a round. So, so the, the level of, of force we're going to use is always going to start at the bottom and it's going to slowly escalate. But it's always going to be one level above what we're, we're facing because the idea for us is to get out of there alive to continue to help the community, right? So, so if we're in a shooting and we're down and we're injured and now he's shooting everybody else, we, we're not able to stop the aggression. So what we have to do is be one a half a tick ahead of the force we're meeting. And that's why I think that people don't understand that we, you, know, you don't have to be stabbed before you can – you don't have to be punched before you can use your hands. You're going to be one half a move before – the aggression you're trying to face. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes and, perfect And that's sense. where I think that part of it is, is that we don't even understand what it is we're asking cops to do mm-hmm. and, and what it is that has always been within the purview of cops using force. So, so now I think what it is is that, that we're at a point where it's like, you know, unless you actually are, are, are being shot at, you're not even, people wouldn't even accept the fact you would discharge your weapon. They would say, well, why would you discharge your weapon when someone's got a knife? Right, I mean, he's not like he had a gun. He wasn't pointing the gun at you. Well, because you're you're you want to stay one step ahead of the the attack because you can't help the person you're there to help, right? Because the rest of the people are, who are around there are also in need of protection. You can't do that if you're dead. And the idea, really, for the cop at the end of the day is to try to go home. That's really it. The idea is to try to be safe enough and and be ahead of it so I can go home every night. Um, and so that's part of it. Let me say one other kind of controversial thing. That is just unfortunately true, whether we like it or not. I, look, I was I was uh, you know uh, trained as an artist. I have a bachelor's degree in design and a master's degree in architecture, and then I left that and I became a cop. But so I have a weird upbringing. But but I'll tell you that I know one thing for sure: law enforcement is the one necessary profession hmm. upon which every other profession is contingent. You don't have order. And security. You can't have a doctor who's afraid he's going to get robbed by his next patient. You can't have a fireman who's afraid he's going to go in there and find the arson who's going to shoot him. You can't do anything. Every other profession requires first that you establish order so that you can work safely. So that means if you look at the counties in California, every, I think our state was founded in 1860. Every county was, was founded at the same time. And when they were all founded, guess what the very first agency in place was? County sheriff. So all the, the, the uh, founding dates for the county sheriffs in, law, in California are 1860 because you've got to have that in place first. Now you can do all kinds of other stuff. Every town had a, a sheriff. You might have had a volunteer fire department, but you had a, a sheriff you paid. Why? Because it's the one – now look, this means that the bar is super high on the behavior of sheriffs because you are the foundation upon which everybody else is going to walk. You're the shoulders upon which everyone else is going to stand. And if you're, you're corrupt, then the entire culture is corrupt. The entire civilization is corrupt. You have the highest call to – now, I teach this to, to officers because they need to understand. If you want to do this job, the one necessary job, 
You can't be like anybody else. You're going to have to have a standard which is higher than any other standard. You're going to get spit on. You're going to get abused. This is what we do to foundations. We don't look at them. We, we spit on them. We walk on them. We, we take them for granted. That's what you're going to be. You're going to be the foundation of culture. And if you are the kind of person who can be spit on and can be taken for granted, this job is not for you. Jay Warner Wallace is with us, Dateline featured cold case detective and senior fellow at the Colson Center for Christian Worldview. Uh, he's the author of several books, including God's Crime Scene, Forensic Faith. And he's also the creator of the Casemakers Academy for Kids. Um, hey, Jim, I, you know, I don't want to ask you to be an apologist for every cop in America, but I'm thinking about um, your comment that we have to know what we're asking of cops. And I guess my most specific question is, what are we asking of cops right now in this era of protest? Um, you know, y- you said that the, the sheriff is the first person hired in town because a doctor is not going to want to open up an office if he doesn't feel like it's safe for he or his patients. Well, in the city of Pittsburgh over the weekend, no one's going to want to operate a restaurant on Penn Avenue if the kind of stuff happens on Saturday that's going or the kind of stuff continues to happen that happened on Saturday. Um, well, so yeah, what are we asking of cops specifically now? Well, so we don't operate as free agents, right? We are at the behest. Look, in the end, everything is going to come down to somebody who got elected. So your chief might be appointed, but he answers to a mayor that got elected. So it turns out that mayors and, and city managers are, have a huge um, uh, role to play in law and order. It doesn't start at the chief and go down from there. It starts at the mayor, and it goes down from there. So it really comes – you've seen this in cities where uh, police might want to do one thing, but are told to stand down by city councils and mayor, which are elected officials. So unfortunately, it, it's going to be very difficult to, to dis, disentangle politics from the process if the, at the top of, the, of the, the food chain is an elected official. And that's really what we're facing here, right? So we're going to see some things now, and, and this swings. I'm in California. Uh, what has to happen here is eventually – uh, you let it go, you let it go, you let it go, and then some elected official will, ha- will suffer some crime that's horrific, and um, suddenly things will swing, and we'll get a law and order candidate, and it'll swing back into the direction. We've seen this happen here in California over and over and over again. And it takes sometimes – there's a runway of maybe 20 years sometimes for this to happen. And so this is what we're in that runway right now where we're going to see this decline. But if you ask people who live in communities that suffer from high rates of crime, that almost all will say, I think the last poll I saw was 80 or 81% of, of African-Americans living in, in, in these kinds of communities wants the same level of policing or more. So, so it's because they recognize that there's a relationship. Now, now what this means is, if even if you say, well, yeah, but police are evil, well, you'd probably have to say they're a necessary evil then, right? Because, because there's, they're, they actually reduce crime, and that has a bigger effect on your day-to-day life than these incidents we're seeing, okay? But also, here's what I would say, too, is that when I see these kinds of incidents, I, my heart goes out to both sides, but I'll tell you, I'm not always convinced it's an issue of race that causes these kinds of things to happen. What I see happening is, is that when police officers, uh, day in and day out, are answering calls, you start to see a division. It's not a, like white-black division. It's a division of people you're constantly uh, committing crimes and the people who aren't, and you start to see that division. And it does wear on you as a police officer until you're at the point where, like, really? This guy's been in jail five times. I know this guy. And, and, and in the end, you're just so – you start to fall into this trap of thinking, well, there's good guys and bad guys. Right. I'm one of the good guys, and this is one of the bad guys. 
And that's a dangerous trap to fall into. I'm, I'm going to tell you, that's, that's da- very dangerous because okay. it's not that cut and dry. We're all bad guys, according to the gospel, okay? Yeah. It's just yeah. a matter of where we are, okay? But we're all bad guys. We're all fall. No one follows God. No one chases God. No one, no one is, is, is morally perfect. And you start to fall into this trap where you think, okay, it's good guys and bad guys, and here I am again dealing with another bad guy who's trying to hurt me, who won't go along with the program. And now you start to see this kind of response that we see. And I'll guarantee you if that was a white guy, an Asian guy, a Hispanic guy, it wouldn't have turned out any different because what's happening is not this division between white and black. It's a division between here we are again, good guy, bad guy. So I think for me, when I'm talking to, talking to cops, I think, again, does the gospel cure this? Yes, because what the gospel does is remind me that but for the grace of God, we are all the same person. We all have the same predispositions towards sex, money, and power. We all are fallen and rebellious. And just because you're wearing a uniform, you're the same person. And I learned a long time ago that people who are the most unforgiving are people who think they have nothing to be forgiven for. Mm-hmm. And so once I realized how much I needed that forgiveness, I was able to change the way I saw other people. And so I think part of this is I, I see this and I think, okay, this, is, this may be one of those situations where cops fall into that scenario of good guy, bad guy. But I'm not convinced that, that, that it's a cop falling into the situation of, of white or black yet. I mean, I'd, I'd have to have more evidence to see, is it racism expressing itself in some of these incidents? Or is it just, hey, and I'll be honest, a couple of these incidents, I'm just grateful that I wasn't called out or that my son wasn't called out. Because a yeah. lot of these, I don't think they're going to go any differently. If yeah. someone's going to resist and you start with your words, the lowest level of the force continuum. Then you start with your hands. That doesn't work. You tase them twice. That doesn't work. You pull your gun out. That doesn't work. I mean, you've, tried, you've gone up the level of force continuum just the way you were trained. Hmm. And then you end up at the last level of force. What do you do? Yeah, what do you do? I, I just don't know. I, I'm just glad it wasn't me. You got that right. And that's why we need the gospel. Jim, always a pleasure. Thanks for being with thank us today. Thank you so much, Jim. Yeah, hey, uh, thanks listen, for uh, having me, guys. Our pleasure. Jim, you. Jay Warner Wallace, look online, coldcasechristianity.com. Highly recommended, coldcasechristianity.com, Jay Warner Wallace. We're going to step away, come back, and uh, talk about tomorrow, uh, of course, uh, is September 11th. Talk about Flight 93 during the 5 o'clock hour. Ten key findings about the religious lives of U.S. teens and their parents. That's straight ahead. 101.5 WORD. Coming up on Love Worth Finding. This scripture is not just what has happened, it is what is happening. It is not just what God has said, it is what God is saying to our society today because history is like a broken phonograph record, it just keeps repeating itself. Join us for more of Adrian Rogers' series, Challenges to the Cross, this month on Love Worth Finding. Tonight at 11 on 101.5 WORD. At Fisher Investments, we do things differently, and other money managers don't understand why. Because our way works great for us. But it may not work for your clients. That's why Fisher Investments is a fiduciary obligated to put clients first. It's the highest standard for a financial advisor. So what do you provide? Cookie-cutter portfolios like the rest of us? No cookie-cutter portfolios here. Fisher Investments tailors portfolios to meet each client's goals and needs. But you do sell investments that earn you high commissions, right? And make commissions when you make trades for your clients? No, Fisher Investments doesn't sell any commission investment products, and we never earn commissions on trades. So what's in it for you? Fisher Investments fees are structured so we do better when our clients do better. When it comes to helping clients achieve a comfortable retirement, we're clearly different. 
Visit FisherInvestments.com to find out why investors like you switch to us. Fisher Investments, clearly different money management. Investments in securities involve the risk of loss. Tonight, the U.N. is warning that the pandemic is putting the world at risk of widespread famines of biblical proportions. Even as we here in the U.S. continue to struggle with the coronavirus, in poor countries like Haiti and Guatemala, COVID-19 is also creating a food crisis, which is leading to starvation. Angela Loma is with Food for the Poor. Almost every single one of our partners said that food is the greatest need right now. But the church is rising to meet this need. The thought of any child going without food just breaks my heart. You know, God has blessed us all beyond what we can imagine. we got to do what we can to help especially kids that don't have anything to eat. Join 101.5, Word FM, and Food for the Poor in Rescuing Children. Just $37 provides six months of life-saving food for one child. How many children can you save? From your cell phone, dial pound 250 and say the keyword hope. Dial pound 250 from your cell and say hope. Or click the red emergency food banner at wordfm.com. If you've fallen behind in your credit card payments during the shutdown, you're probably feeling some added pressures. But you don't have to solve these problems alone. Trinity Debt Management can help. All you have to do is give Trinity a quick call and we'll take care of the rest. No one really knows what the future will bring. But one thing is for sure. If your debt has you down, we should talk. Here's the number. Call 1-800-990-6976. Well, the good folks at the Pew Research Center recently did a survey. They uh, looked at uh, 1,811 pairs of teens and their parents, one teen, one parent from each household, to talk about the religiosity of the teen in that household. And 10 quick findings, Kath, because our time is short, I'll run through the 10 quickly, okay? All right. Most teens share the religion of their parents <laughs> or legal guardians. I think that's pretty common, right? If okay. your parents are, you know, whatever, Protestant, Jewish, Catholic, you're going to tend to follow along. That's number one. Approximately half of teens, 48%, say they have all the same religious beliefs as their parents. How, what's the, I'm sorry, tell me that percentage again. 48%. Okay. They have all the same religious beliefs. Teens are just as likely as their parents to say they regularly go to religious services, but when it comes to more personal forms of religious expression, teens appear less religious than their parents. Hmm. Most teens report attending religious services with either both 40% or one 25% of their parents. Hmm. Teens are about as likely to say they go to religious services mainly because their parents want them to go, 38%, as to say they go mainly because they themselves want to go, 35%. Religious religious education is relatively common. By some measures, teens who parents identify with or lean toward the Republican Party seem to be more religiously engaged than those whose parents are Democratic or lean toward the Democratic Party. Evangelical Protestant teens are more religious than other teens by traditional measure and are also more likely to say at least sometimes engage in religious education or religious youth groups. Mm. Teenagers tend to be open to the possibility that there may be truth in multiple faiths and that people can be moral without believing God. And number 10, many U.S. teens report having religious or spiritual experiences at least once or twice a month. Really? Yes. Well, that's really encouraging. 
Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of surprise there, right? We tend to follow along traditional routes. And I think there's one sadness jumped out at me, John, that? is that the um, the teenagers that are most engaged are in the evangelical church. And I just, you know, I, I wish that our Orthodox and Catholic brothers and sisters had a better setup for teenagers. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. You know, what, what does that look like? How does that work? Um uh, are somehow evangelicals more what more engaged within their kids' lives, or I don't know, uh, I don't know what that means. I don't right? anyway. I don't either because there's believe me, there's a lot of criticism that we could level you oh and I being gosh. in the church at how we do youth group, how we hire youth directors. I mean, I get oh. I, I'm certainly not holding up the evangelical church as some kind of paradigm. No, no, of course not. Please I'm just not. looking at those figures and saying, okay, well, at least the kids are engaged, so right. that's a, a you know, that's a good thing, and then we can pile on all sorts of criticisms yeah. and hope for renewal in a lot of different areas. I mean, did you go to youth group as a yes. kid? Yeah, so did I. I loved it. Did so you did love I. it? Because you know why? Mostly because of the people who were there were fun yep. to hang out with. Yep. I mean, you know, the teaching. And I was also had okay. amazing. I had amazing youth directors who poured into my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The number yeah. one being Salim Gabriel. Salim, yeah. I mean, you know, I'm a different person because of him. Yeah. And uh, because of the work he did on my behalf when I was what 14, 15, 16 years old. Right. Yeah. Um. So it, it it's it's a really that type of time that kids get to spend with their peers and with people who love Jesus, who are adults, you just, I don't know if you don't have that. It's just, it's hard to make that up. Yeah, I agree. And it really helps if you have that to cement you forward. What about you, think- Mike? Was that, was that a reality for you? Youth group? Absolutely. I, I thrived mm-hmm. on youth group. I, I needed yeah. it. I, it was uh it was, it was my getaway from all the stress from school, from peer mm-hmm. pressure, uh, at that at that age, you know, it, you're you're questioning what you're going to do with your life. You're questioning should you adapt to culture? Should you mm-hmm, adapt mm-hmm. to Christ's word? Um, it's it's so necessary. It's so right, necessary right. to go. One of the kids, uh, one of the, my buddies that I went to youth group with, who, who's my lifelong friend. I've known him forever. He, in a moment of madness, went into the kitchen where the uh, the services were being held. He stole a, a a gallon of wine. He ran out of the youth group, <laughs> fell, broke his leg, broke the wine, laid there and cried. The nun came over and yelled at him. <laughs> they called the ambulance, took him away. We talk about that now. And he said, you know what? That was a key moment in my spiritual life. <laughs> I mean, whatever it takes, talk, right? Talk about getting caught, man. I mean, that is I mean, rough. Yeah. I mean, he really, his career as a bank robber was uh, just sort of ended <laughs> right there. That's really, but you know, God works in mysterious ways, does he not? Well, right. Let's take a break. Come back. We got much more ahead. Stick around. It's the Ride Home with John and Kathy here on Word FM. We're going to talk in a few minutes about Flight 93 tomorrow, the memorial, President uh, Trump and, um, oh, Joe Biden will be there as well. If you go to our mortgage team's website, you'll find hundreds of testimonials of real Christian radio listeners helped. Haley here is a recent friend who was kind enough to share a few words with her local station. Oh my goodness, we were so blessed by United Faith Mortgage. We needed to do a cash-out refinance to take care of some medical bills and home improvement kind of things. Every time we called, he picked up the phone. He answered every question so patiently, and the whole process was actually kind of fun. We just placed new flooring in our home. 
and got to do new paint, and we got out of medical debt, which is the biggest blessing of all of them. It was such a huge stress. They just relieved all of that for us. It was a wonderful experience. We are United Faith Mortgage. We pay your appraisal fees up to $500. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. Planning a vacation can be a lot of fun, but preparing for retirement? Not so much. It's confusing. That's where Kevin Bach can help. Showing you how to generate retirement income. How to choose a good Social Security claiming strategy and how to help minimize your tax obligations. Call Kevin at 724-837-3553. Kevin Bach is not affiliated with the Social Security Administration or any other government agency. Insurance and annuities offered through Kevin Bach, PA Insurance License Number 352896. September 18th, 7.30 p.m., Drusky Entertainment proudly presents For King and Country. For King and Country, in concert at the Starlight Drive-In, Butler, PA, Rain or Shine. Drive-In tickets on sale now at DreskyENT.com. Gates open at 5.30 for King and Country, September 18th at the Starlight Drive-In, Butler, PA. Details at DreskyENT.com. My name is Ryan Bourne. And I'm Danica Bourne. And, and we're, we're the, the owners, owners of South, South Coast, Coast Tax. We would like to thank our Lord for protecting us from evil. Psalm 91 states, He is my refuge and my fortress, for He will rescue us from every trap and protect us from deadly disease. South Coast Tax are Christian-based tax accountants and attorneys who specialize in releasing bank levies, wage garnishments, and filing complex tax returns. We are the leaders in acceptance of offers and compromise with awesome results. We are also a small firm who will treat you like family and not just a number. Call us today at 1-800-TAX-1176 for a free consultation, and we'll take the time to explain all the programs that you qualify for in order to allow you a fresh start. In John 836, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed, and one way we can achieve that is by being debt-free. So let us help you today. Call us at 1-800-TAX-1176, and together we can help achieve this goal by putting the IRS tax debt behind you for good. Again, that number is 1-800-TAX-1176. Tomorrow is the uh, 19th anniversary, of course, of uh, September 11th, World Trade Center, the Pentagon, and of course, in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, and the uh, annual services held at Flight 93. This year, of course, because of the pandemic, they are closed to the public. Mm, It's too bad. However, uh, President Trump and Joe Biden will both make appearances. Uh, They will close this evening at seven o'clock at the memorial and then open this uh, tomorrow around the same time. So you'll you'll miss those services. Kath, have you been ever been to Shanksville? No, but you were just there, right? I was just there. Yeah. Tell Uh, me about it. It's it's fabulous. I mean, it's absolutely beautiful. Mostly what you would imagine is that it's a large expanse of field, a farmer's field. Now, when it when this first happened, I went up there and of course there was chain link fence or, you know, around a smoldering um, smoldering pile of debris it was just horrific to see but i i was something you know emotionally i had to witness mm-hmm. um even weeks after the fact because i was away it was still there but uh, now of course it, it's just beautiful and it's you walk through a display where everyone all the 40 people on board the plane their stories are told there are remembrances by family members there's recordings of the phone calls those final phone calls there's pieces of the plane there's pieces of luggage anything that was found small fragments exist within this confines of this display 
It's first rate. It's really well done. Then you can take a long walk down to where the plane made the impact. I mean, it's heartbreaking, but oh my if gosh. you've not what been we, there, it's listen, really what, go. what we owe to those people. Oh man, fabulous. God only knows all those people. I mean, like, they saved the nation's capital, yes, they right? Yeah, Bob Beamer and, they and all saved, those others. And they may have saved all of us in Pittsburgh too. You got that right. Yeah. So, Flight ninety three, let's roll. That's tomorrow, September eleventh. Take a quick break and reset for the five o'clock hour. Reverend Kurt Bjorklund from Orchard Hill Church will join us to speak about anger. That's next on the ride home here on Word FM. WORDFM Pittsburgh on your smart speaker by saying play the word Pittsburgh and on your phone via the Word FM mobile app iHeart, TuneIn and at Radio.com With SRN News, I'm John Scott The mayor of Portland has ordered police in Oregon's largest city to stop using tear gas for crowd control during often violent protests that have racked the city for months Ted Wheeler says the order is effective immediately. Wheeler is a Democrat and was tear-gassed when he went to a demonstration against the presence of federal authorities dispatched to the city to protect federal property. California authorities say a wildfire that rode through foothills of the northern Sierra Nevada this week has destroyed or damaged about 2,000 structures, including homes and other buildings. The kickoff of the NFL season tonight with 17,000 fans at Arrowhead, the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs will open the season against the Houston Texans at 22% capacity. Stocks gave up an early gain and moved steadily lower all day. The Dow lost 405 points. This is SRN News. This message is for anyone looking for $500,000 to $1 million or more of affordable term life insurance, even if you have diabetes, high blood pressure, or taking anxiety meds. Here's an example. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe overweight with type 2 diabetes, $1 million of term life insurance may only cost about $200 a month. We're Term Provider, experts in finding affordable term life insurance for those that may not be in perfect health. If you've had prostate cancer, heart conditions, high cholesterol, or on prescription medications, you may still qualify for half a million to a million dollars or more of affordable term life insurance. Get a quick quote by calling Term Provider at 800-555-2085. 800-555-2085. If you're looking for term life insurance but have type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, or have other health issues, call Term Provider at 800-555-2085 or visit termprovider.com, termprovider.com. First Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community. The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming congregation. The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ and our pastor preaches the gospel. I want everybody in Pittsburgh to come and experience. First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, in the heart of the city, with the city in its heart. Seasons of change and uncertainty can be difficult, even scary, but they don't have to control or define you. The counselors of the Grace Wellness Center would consider it a privilege to come alongside and help you replace the fear and frustration with freedom and peace. While office visits are still available throughout the area, Grace Wellness Center also offers online and phone appointments to make counseling convenient and available on your terms, accepting all major insurances at thegracewellnesscenter.com. This is Jerry Boyer. 
This radio station has been telling you for months that November's election could vastly change our country's future. If you believe in liberty, supported by a strong economy, and religious freedom, your values are on the line. Please register and prepare to vote at your polling place or by absentee. This election is huge. We are at a crossroads. We all should vote. And keep listening to this station for what this election means. God's Word is power, and we need to be in His Word every day gaining wisdom. God is very patient, but because of our immoral society, we are drowning in debt, have poor public education, and corruption all around us. Our founders would be horrified at what the democratic agenda has become. With the right and left fighting each other, they get none of the work done. Please go to ProfitToAmerica.com. We're going to lose America. You can't remain silent. That's ProfitToAmerica.com. Partly cloudy skies tonight, low 62. It'll be pleasant tomorrow with sunshine and patchy clouds, the high 78. Partly cloudy tomorrow night with a low of 60. Mostly cloudy skies Saturday with a passing shower, Saturday's high 79. Mostly cloudy Sunday, it will be humid with a couple of thunderstorms, mainly early in the day. Sunday will reach a high of 76. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Evans. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along for the uh, 5 o'clock hour, the Thursday edition here of the uh, Stay Home. So, uh, you know, in the old days, it used to be that uh, people would get outraged by films that were uh, playing at your local cinema. Well, of course, that's not the case anymore. We're all watching things online in the comfort of our own living room. But uh, outrage is certainly the word that's happened with a film that's streaming now on Netflix. And, Kath, I don't know if you've heard about this. Have you? No, I sure have. The film is called Cuties, and it is available now to stream on Netflix. And it has garnered quite a lot of um, of outrage. I think that's the only word you can really use. Now, uh, the film is a French film, which won a lot of uh, awards at uh, film festivals around the world. And it tells the story of an 11 year old Muslim Senegalese immigrant who moves into a housing project in Paris. Her family encourages her to be modest and obedient, but she befriends a group of outspoken girls who form a dance troupe in order to gain popularity on social media. And that's where the trouble is. The dance troupe, these young girls, 11 years old, are of a deeply um, sexual nature. And I mean, it's over the top. It is. Uh, what would be described as twerking and whatnot, the costumes that um, essentially uh, you look it up and you can see yourself. Uh, Netflix took the original poster and made it into something else. There was, you know, the original poster was really benign, and then Netflix sexualized the poster. And then in the trailer that they cut, Netflix, of course, sexualized that as well. And so, you know, not even wanting to see the film or even look at the trailer, you got to know that this is essentially, it's pornography. It's child it porn. It is. And it is not for the faint of heart. I can't imagine anybody wants to see this, but if that is your you know, your besetting sin, your predilection, well, then you've got to be in heaven because Netflix is streaming it right into your house. I find a deep irony 
um, when I think about how our streets are breaking out in violence because we're protesting the original sin of America, which was slavery, right? And that movie, that movie contextualizes and glorifies child sex slavery right in front of your eyes. Now you can say, okay, well, the story isn't about sex slavery. It's not. But here's the thing. How many kids who are 11 years old, how many girls from you name the country, including America, are kidnapped every single day and put into sex slavery because men watch stuff like that? Of course. It's a billion dollar business, right? Listen, I watch... Whenever I hear that there's like a furor over something, I always kind of take it with a grain of salt because Please, I think, yeah, you know, course. people are, especially in the We're social quick media, to react. everybody's so precious and they are so easily offended. Listen, I hit play on that. I couldn't even make it through the whole trailer. On I made trailer. it through, t- I don't I made see through it. two minutes, 15 seconds. And I was like, I can't do this. Right. It is really, really upsetting. I mean, the crazy thing to think about it is, though. What parent allows their child to go and audition for a film and then be cast in that film and then to go to the set day after day after day and be subjected to that? I mean, that's criminal unto itself. Right. So and here it is. And now yeah. it's on the Netflix, Netflix platform. So that means, you know, kids, young boys, whomever, they, you know, pull up their Netflix subscription and there it is. Oh, it's so damaging to girls. It is yeah. so, but it's not, it's. It's damaging. It's worse because they're little girls. But if you look at any popular music video on YouTube, it is complete objectification of women from the beginning of the song to the end. And it cracks me up that we have a hashtag Me Too movement when this kind of stuff, this is our main music, our popular music in America. That's what it is. And we're out there complaining because some boss can't keep his hand off his secretary. Get out of here. The duality is really kind of strange, isn't it? I mean, I guess it's all about the money, right? Because that's where the money is. People want to tune into that, which is right. So what? So you're going to protest like your boss at work and you're not going to protest Cardi B? Yeah, that's not good. And you there. too. I mean, no, come it's on. Nice. It's like we, we've got a we've got a double standard for all the women who are standing up for you know workers' rights and women being treated well and equal pay for equal equal pay for equal work, which I'm all in favor of. Where are the women who are complaining about what's on YouTube? Mm-hmm. Well, quell your anger, Kath, because our next guest, Kirk Bjorklund, is going to talk exactly about the anger that we are all feeding on right now. Stick around. Kirk Bjorklund from Orchard Hill Church, straight ahead on the ride home here on Word FM. WORD. The book of Hebrews was written for an audience of Jewish believers during a time of persecution, and it proclaims an amazing truth. Jesus is both the Son of God and our great high priest. Discover how this dual role affects us this week on Truth For Life with Alistair Begg. Tomorrow morning at 6 on 101.5 WORD. We're all thinking a lot more about staying safe these days. Windows R Us Pittsburgh is no different. When it comes to working around your home, Windows R Us remains committed to the safety of you and your family. For roofs, gutters, and downspouts, siding, and of course, windows, Windows R Us Pittsburgh can answer the call. 
With over 50 years of home remodeling experience, Windows R Us has earned its reputation as the area's premier exterior replacement company. And all work will be done in strict compliance with the government's social distancing guidelines. If you've had damage, you may be eligible for a free repair or replacement. Visit windowsrouspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of the highly trained appraisers. You'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry from a company that will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Why pay double? Trust the area's premier exterior replacement company, windowsrouspittsburgh.com. That's windowsrouspittsburgh.com. As life gets back to normal and we start heading back to work, don't leave your leftover stash of toilet paper exposed to rodents. Send them packing the most humane way with plug-in pest-free. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-in Pest-free, the electromagnetic device that utilises the active wiring in your home or business to keep rodents and pests away. 100% chemical-free and environmentally friendly. Just plug it in. It's that simple. My strongest performer, the Pro Unit, is good for most homes and small businesses up to 4,000 square feet. Now that's fair income. Is your home or business protected? If not, order yours today at gopestfree.com. Use promo code RADIO20 for 20% off. That's gopestfree.com, promo code RADIO20. gopestfree.com, promo code RADIO20. Don't spray and regret, plug in and forget. I consider not only my team members, but my patients, my family, and I miss them for quite a few months. Stock Family Dentistry would like to say... Welcome back. One of the biggest blessings I have received is to be able to use my talents and my passion to serve my community through our dental office. And I'm proud to say that we're doing it in a very safe way. We're finally back up to full speed. It's nice to be back with family. On Perry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. I mean... We as human beings, part of who we are emotionally is to be angry. But I, I don't know if there's ever been a time where as societal, you know, as a, as a world that we are in such a rage because clearly people around us, if not ourselves, are angry. It feels to the 10th degree. We are off the charts. The needle is just pushed deep. What do we do with this anger? Where does it come from? What does it all mean? And where's God in the mix of this? Kurt Bjorkland is with us. Kurt's the senior pastor at Orchard Hill Church. Orchard Hill today is heard daily here in Word FM. But Kurt is with us to help us navigate through this minefield of anger. Pastor, welcome back to the show. How are you today? Thank you. I'm well. It's good to be with you. Good. Thank you. Always a pleasure, Kurt. Okay, so Kurt, are you angry? Well, I'd like to say I'm never angry, but that would be untrue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and actually... Um, Jesus addresses this pretty clearly in what we know as the Sermon on the Mount, where he equates anger with murder. And really what he's doing, I believe, is saying, you've heard it said that you shall not murder, but I say to you, if you're angry with -hmm. your brother or sister, that you've committed murder. And the old King James says, without cause. And most people uh, who are scholars and look at those things think that that was added by an editor. Uh, to the King James original manuscripts, because typically in textual criticism, you take the 
shorter and the more difficult reading and say that's probably the authentic reading. Meaning an editor probably at one point said that's too hard of a saying, so it must mean without cause and probably put it in. But in most of the more recent manuscripts and most of the newer translations of those more recent manuscripts don't say without cause. They simply say, if you're angry, um, mm. then you are guilty. And and somebody may say, well, isn't it okay to be angry? Um, it wasn't Jesus angry. You know, doesn't Ephesians 4, 26 say uh, that, you know, be angry but do not sin, showing that it's possible to be angry and not sin. And, and that's probably true, uh, that it is possible. And anger can be a very positive emotion. Uh, you know, if somebody threatens your family or insults, you know, something that's important in somebody you love, you may say, okay, I'm angry with cause. But but what's true for me, at least, and I think probably for most of us, is we don't have the capacity to control our anger the way Jesus did and mm-hmm. to have the clarity that Jesus had. And so a lot of times, although there could be a righteous anger, there's also a sense in which my anger or somebody else's anger might be defending something that we think is really um, important that might be more about us than it is about something else. So so I think even just recognizing the potential danger of anger is is a starting point, because in our culture, especially right now, and even in Christian subculture, anger is almost seen as a virtue. As it's good to be angry, it's okay to have a righteous indignation and to go off on an issue or people, and you're almost given points for having outrage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it's um, important just to to see Jesus' clarity on the issue and say, whenever you're angry, there's there's something going on in you where you're looking to hurt somebody, you're looking to um, to to do something that that ultimately isn't good. And it's interesting in that little passage uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, there's the words where he says, if you say to your brother or sister, Raka, which is really a way of insulting somebody for being unimportant. Um, it means empty head, uh, and it's a transliteration, but it's a, it's a idea of basically saying this person is not important enough for me to give their opinion weight. And so anger can, can show itself not just in, in actual emotion, but in indifference where we feel almost above somebody. And then Jesus says, and if you say to somebody, you fool, and that word has a connotation that goes back to Old Testament um, words, and it really means somebody who's morally deficient. And so when we judge somebody else's character, what we're doing at the same time is showing a sense of superiority or anger. And, and, and ultimately, what's, what's behind our anger is, is really a sense of self-righteousness. I think that's mm-hmm. Jesus' entire point here, mm-hmm. is, that, is that we think we're right, we think we're important, we think we're morally superior to everybody else, or to the, another group at least, maybe not everybody. Right. And, and we kind of like that feeling, and so we indulge it. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about. He's saying every time you do this, you have to realize you're, you're breaking the law, uh, and as a result, you're you're not as righteous as you think. And ultimately, that points us to our need for a Savior, because you, know, you started by saying, am I angry? I'd love to say I never get angry, but sometimes it's as simple as driving down the road and somebody cuts you off, and you get a little honked off at it, and you say, yeah, yeah. you know what, that, that, that wasn't a very good moment. And, right. uh, and that's, a, and that's a, a, a moment not to say it's okay to do that at all, 
but to recognize that that's exactly what Jesus was saying, was every time you're there, it's a reminder of why you need a Savior. Amen. Pastor Kirk Bjorklin from Orchard Hill Church is with us. I mean, anger in many ways, Kurt, has become almost a cottage industry because, you know, now with our, our smartphones, you know, we've uh, delved into these last year or so, the so-called Karen videos where, you know, we mm-hmm. see some person, you know, lashing out with someone. And of course, you know, there's millions of views and we all nod our head and go, look at that crazy person, that foolish person. That's not me. Thank goodness. But at the same time, it is us because, mm-hmm. man, if there was a video camera around whenever we're angry, then we look like the idiots as well. Yeah. And not only that, there's the the self-righteousness to watch a Karen video and feel morally superior to the person who acts that way yeah. is, again, some of the same uh, impulse that says, I'm glad I'm not like that person. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that, so what's yeah, that? Well, that's what I, that's what, well, that's what I see a lot in myself, Kurt, is that there's this sick type of, of, um, you know, I was talking about it today and I said, it's like an amphetamine, uh, when when there's someone who in in the public eye who you hate, um, and you see someone else who come, who gets onto Twitter and says, oh, I hate him too. Or I hate her too. Like it's a Karen. And then you say, oh yeah, me too. And then you just get more and more and more amped up about it. Right. And you get all of a sudden you're 10 minutes in or you're 30 minutes in and you think, man, this is awesome because we both hate the same person. And then you get off of Twitter and you think, what just happened? I just ate a lot of poison. How did I do that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that that I believe is true is that anger is generally a secondary emotion, meaning Mm. it's not a primary emotion. So it's usually driven by something else. And often it is that sense of superiority or self-righteousness um, that we, we like to feel like we're superior to some other group or some other people. And, and again, it's, um, yeah, that, that's part of the secondary emotion. But, you know, part of the, the, the way out of it is obviously to recognize it, which is helpful. But more than that, it, even Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount doesn't just give us tips for how to overcome it. But really the, the, the driving factor is to be able to recognize our need for a savior because forgiven people, forgive people, people who've experienced grace, extend grace. And, and so a lot of times it's when we don't think we need to be forgiven of anything. We don't think we need grace that causes us to feel justified in um, having uh, uh, an extended season of anger or a target of anger. Kurt, uh, you see this, whether you're a believer or not, right? It's such a trigger finger. It's so, so quick to explode. And even if you're a believer in the church that we're surrounded by anger. So what is it? I mean, you know, you, you do say that, you know, Jesus is not offering tips here, but there has to be something that all of us can use as a tool to push that anger down, to find a little bit, a little bit of peace in our lives. Well, and, and again, I think what, what Jesus points to ultimately is that, is that it is coming to recognize our need for a savior, our fallenness instead of our superiority that begins to level the field. And he does go on right in that passage to say, um, if you're at worship and you recognize that somebody has something against you, leave it at the altar. And what he's really 
driving at, I think, there is that all of our relationships are ultimately in the context of worship. And, mm. um, and, and so our, you know, if somebody says to me, look, I really like you, Kurt, I like your wife, I'd like to hang out with you, but I can't stand your kids. Your kids annoy me. Um, I'm not going to hang out with that person probably if they're like, I can hang out, but you can't bring your kids. Right. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and there's a sense in which when we are annoyed and angry at people, especially brothers and sisters in Christ, that what we're doing is we're saying, I like you, God, but I don't like your children. Oh, yeah. And and that's part of his, his point there is to say, recognize, um, and that's why I say all relationships are in the context of worship ultimately, because he says, go make that right, because I don't want you to tell me how great I am if you can't get along with or you're angry with. Mm-hmm. Uh, your your brother or your sister. So so I think there's a there's a recognition piece. There's a there's an ownership piece, and um, and then there's just a resolution piece to say um, I need to be committed enough to to working the gospel into my own heart and life on a consistent basis that I don't allow myself that that little. Um, luxury of self-righteousness and how I view mm-hmm. other people. Man, that is really good. Reverend Kurt Bjorklund is with us. He's a senior pastor at Orchard Hill Church. Um, Kurt, give us the update. How are things at Orchard Hill? What are you guys doing right now, service-wise? Yeah, we're doing an outdoor service on our Wexford campus every Saturday night, uh, which has been great with the weather, um, and that's been really well attended. We're doing uh, three different services on Sunday morning at our Wexford campus. Our strip district and Butler campuses have services as well. Socially distanced, uh, we have a service that uh, we ask everyone to keep a mask on every all the way through, and um, and so that's you know, you're starting to see a, a good rebuilding of kind of where we had been numerically. It's certainly not where it was, uh, but that's understandable because right now I think there are people who rightly should not be in gatherings, and then some who are still trying to figure that out. And then others who are doing a lot of other things in life and feel good going into a public sphere. We've had services since June 1st uh, and have not had, to our knowledge, any COVID cases or any spreading or any issues. And so we're really thankful for that. And, you know, we would anticipate at some point there will be something just by the numbers of it, but we're trying to make sure that we're doing all we can to keep people socially distanced and um, afford every opportunity to worship in a way that's safely done so that, um, so, so that people can still come and gather, but not uh, necessarily be in the same uh, kind of crowded space that they may have been in in the past. That's really good. That's really good to afford everybody the mm-hmm. uh, opportunity to worship together. That's powerful. And it's something I think a lot of us are missing. So thank you. Thanks you, Kurt, for the, uh, the leadership there and for Orchard Hill Church as you move forward. Always a pleasure for you to be with us, Pastor. Thanks again. Thank you. Have a great afternoon. And you as well. Pastor Kurt Bjorklin from Orchard Hill Church. Orchard Hill Today is heard daily here on Word FM. Take a break. Come back. We got uh, more ahead. With this. We're going to talk about wildfires that are uh, coating uh, the West. It's really dangerous out there. What kind of burdens did you have to carry when you were a kid? Were you ever hungry, ever cold, ever afraid of being abused by the ones you love, or being abandoned or left alone? How much can you bear when you're just a child? Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Galatians 6.2 
Right now, there's a child or teen who is struggling with burdens too big for anyone to carry alone. But as a Christian foster parent, you can share those burdens and, more importantly, begin to lay them down at the foot of the cross. As a Christian foster parent, your example can make an eternal difference in the life of a child or teen. To learn how you can make a difference as a Christian foster parent, call the Bear Foundation today. Call 412-341-6850. 412-341-6850. On the web at christianfostercare.org. If we ever forget that we're one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. From the producers of God's Not Dead. This is not time for spiritual awakening. I need to be the man that God made me to be. A movie so relevant for our times. One nation under God. Who do you think you are? Just expressing my freedom of speech. Not around here, buddy. One nation under God. Winner of 35 film festivals. We can cut God out of the Pledge of Allegiance. But God will always be here. Starring Kevin Sorbo, Antonio Sabato Jr., and football great Herschel Walker. Imagine what we could do, united, for one nation. Let's make America great again. One nation under God. Go to SalemNow.com to purchase and use promo code MOVIE for 20% off. SalemNow.com, promo code MOVIE. I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood pressure numbers could change your life. Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. Now I'm, you know, trying to get better, stronger than ever. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. First Presbyterian Church is a beacon of light and love to this community. The message that I hear sustains me for the whole week. I love this church because of the diversity and the music and the people. The incredible beauty of the space. A warm, welcoming congregation. The people are amazing and truly love one another and Christ, and our pastor preaches the gospel. I want everybody in Pittsburgh to come and experience. First Presbyterian Church of Pittsburgh, in the heart of the city, with the city in its heart. Listen on your smart speaker, the Word FM app at wordfm.com, iHeart, TuneIn, and on radio.com, in the car or at home, too, at 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh. Partly cloudy skies tonight, low 62. It'll be pleasant tomorrow with sunshine and patchy clouds, the high 78. Partly cloudy tomorrow night with a low of 60. Mostly cloudy skies Saturday with a passing shower, Saturday's high 79. Mostly cloudy Sunday, it will be humid with a couple of thunderstorms, mainly early in the day. Sunday will reach a high of 76. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. A terrific morning, John. Yeah, what's going on? What'd you do? Got on, got on 79 North, drove up there for 45 miles or so, hit Grove mm-hmm. City College. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I had a really fun morning, and I want to thank everybody up there for being so kind and generous. I was a chapel speaker this morning, I got to speak to a ton of students, um, 
after chapel was over, um, but particularly want to thank Don Opitz, who's the brand new chaplain up there doing a bang up job already. Um, Zachary Pitcher, who handles all the chapel details with such outstanding skill and kindness. And of course, President Paul McNulty, who's fun and efficient wherever he goes. Very nice. <laughs> fun and efficient. That's what I say. Yeah, that's right. So what's it like? Um, students coming to chapel, what is it, 40, 50 kids? No, there were, uh, well, there were 250 in the room, and then there are two um, auxiliary places where you could watch it online because they yeah. don't, you know, 250 is the max for getting into the chapel. I see. Because everybody has to be socially distant. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, right. yeah, it's a beautiful place, awesome people, so Excellent. thank you, everybody. Yes, yeah, congratulations. I'm sorry I missed it. Oh, but, uh, that's okay. I would have loved to have used you as some yeah. kind of like real-life example with your 11-inch scar yes. and your recuperation from shoulder replacement surgery. Exhibit A, don't do this. <laughs> hey, uh, speaking of catastrophes, fires have continued to blaze up and down the West Coast, destroying neighborhoods and forcing mass evacuations as firefighters struggle to control the wildfires. Wildfires continued their explosive spread. I mean, uh, I think everybody was able to see the photos of San Francisco last night, which looked like something out of a science fiction novel. The skies, this burnt orange. It was absolutely horrific. And I mean, you know, hundreds of thousands of acres, which is kind of hard to sort of imagine in your head. I mean, you know. Everybody you get some idea about one acre, you know, maybe you're, you know, I've got a half an acre that your house is on or something like that. But, you know, 500,000 acres in Oregon alone, 700,000 in California, and it goes on and on and on. And it's like this every year that, you know, states are ablaze. But I think this year, particularly, no rainfall, high temperatures, and of course, those pesky gender reveal parties, which uh, ignited fires as well, they should be banned forever. But God bless all those people who are suffering through another brutal season of wildfires out in the West. Yeah. And, you know, it was just last year, I think, that the wildfires were so terrible and the worst in California. Or maybe it was 2018, I guess it was, um, when the fires were the worst in California's history. And now this forest fire has eclipsed that one. Oh, my gosh. I mean, California is lovely, but man, I would not terrifying, really terrifying for all those people. God bless them. Yes, indeed. So, um. would you go to California? Would you would you live there? Would no, par- no. But I would visit there any chance I had. I that's my favorite state in the union. Is it really? To vi- Oh my gosh, I, I mean, love it. it I beautiful. love the north. I love the south. I love the middle. That's, mm. I just love that. I love it. All right, California. Oh my gosh, here I come. But, yeah, but I, I mean, living there, the taxes, the insanity of it all, the earthquakes, the no, fires, the po- crazy politics. Okay, speaking that. of crazy politics, yeah. The NFL's back tonight. Oh, okay. We, All right. Are we are we going to see something nutty, or are we just going to tune in for the game? Okay. Uh, me personally, I would just like to go. And w- when it's time for the kickoff, I just want to watch the kickoff forward. Okay. All the stuff like you know the commentators, the whatever people are doing politically. Right. I have absolutely. Z- I do. I have no interest in that. I'm, I'm sorry. Well, there's going to be a there's going to be I bet twenty solid minutes of it. You think? Hmm. Uh, Oh, yeah. I just want to watch a game. I just want to be, you know, entertained. I don't need to have a, a social statement made. And I'm sorry if that makes me a bad American. I'm, I'm not trying to be, you know, a, a jerk or anything. I just want to be entertained and watch a good football game. Where, the, you know, watch? The, oh, yes. I can't wait to watch football. And plus, I'm, I'm like kind of 
like super curious and a little afraid at what it's going to be like with no fans. I mean, I've already watched baseball games, but baseball is a little bit of a different thing. It seemed like a little more natural. And I yeah. love how the NBA's done it. Wait. I mean, I love those screens by the side of the court. I mean, isn't yeah, that yeah. fabulous in, in the NBA playoffs? It's awesome. I don't know what the NFL is going to do. I think there's fans in tonight's game. I think there's 16,000 fans that are allowed into the stadium. Oh, so this is one of the places that's allowing right. fans. Yeah. Okay. So there, there, it, okay, so, but sixteen thousand fans in a is it in Kansas City? Yes. Well, I think that I think that seats like seventy thousand people. Arrowhead is it Arrowhead Stadium? Yep. Uh huh. Yeah, that's a big that's a big field. But still, sixteen thousand. So it's going to seem like it's going to seem like the three of us are in there. If you were allowed, you know, if you were one of those sixteen thousand, maybe could you bring in air horns and like you know whatever some sort of noise the making devices. Yeah, something, right. right? Some sort of, you know, noisy devices. So you could be part of the act. Okay, so they have to be augmenting it with the crowd noise. So what Joe Klimchuk's doing for the Pirates, someone has to be doing that in every major right. market, right? I guess. So I wonder if they have like, my guess is they'll have, you know, directional mics where they'll pick up pockets of fans. But what's that even going to be like? I mean, 16,000 people set, set out over 70,000 seats or so. Right. I mean, how close are you to the other fans in your section? Will there be vendors? What kind of an NFL no, experience? No, there can't be vendors. You don't think? No. Well, there's no. Be, if there's fans, there's got to be concessions, don't you think? No. I don't think really? they'd be concessions. How could? No. Well, they, you, they're not going to allow you to bring your own food in, will they? When they're well, going to they want to sell you a that Coke and a safe, beer or That would something. be the safest thing to do, right? I don't know. I have no, I have no, that's a whole other matter. I guess they've got it all figured out. I mean, I just hope that what, what time is kickoff tonight, Mike? Do you have any Eight, idea? 820. Am 820. I right about that? 820. Yes. She's okay. Right on the money. I'm so okay. excited. All right. I'm looking it. forward to it. Yeah. We're going to have a little party. I mean, I've never been, you know, sort of more excited to watch a football game um, that I have too. no stake in at I all. I None whatsoever. So I just love want to see it the game. so much. Okay. All right. Let's take a break and uh, we're going to come back. Karen Swallow Pryor is with us. She's been a regular guest on our show for many, many years, trying and failing to live past your Christian faith. That's next here on the Ride Home with Johnny Kathy. WORD. Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music on the weekends. With the best new music. New, new, new music. Born ready. New music from Kobe James. When I was born again, I was born ready. Love One Another by the Newsboys. Let's do it. Love One Another. And Man of Your Word by Maverick City Music. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Brought to you by Trinity Jewelers and Dennis Spira and Associates. 101.5 Word FM on the weekend. Thinking about life insurance? Did you know in just a few minutes you can find the best price from up to 10 price competitive companies for free? You can with SelectQuote. For example, George is 39. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around... I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $22 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino, and believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-494-2323. That's 800-494-2323. 800-494-2323. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Since 1985, we shop you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. 
At Fisher Investments, we do things differently, and other money managers don't understand why. Because our way works great for us. But it may not work for your clients. That's why Fisher Investments is a fiduciary obligated to put clients first. It's the highest standard for a financial advisor. So what do you provide? Cookie-cutter portfolios like the rest of us? No cookie-cutter portfolios here. Fisher Investments tailors portfolios to meet each client's goals and needs. But you do sell investments that earn you high commissions, right? And make commissions when you make trades for your clients? No, Fisher Investments doesn't sell any commission investment products, and we never earn commissions on trades. So what's in it for you? Fisher Investments fees are structured so we do better when our clients do better. When it comes to helping clients achieve a comfortable retirement, we're clearly different. Visit FisherInvestments.com to find out why investors like you switch to us. Fisher Investments, clearly different money management. Investments in securities involve the risk of loss. To serve as a ruling elder is a high and holy office. RPTS now offers five flexible online courses to help you shepherd the Church of God. The Ruling Elders Program features courses on biblical counseling, interpretation, worship, the church, care and administration, plus preaching at elective options that best fit your ministry paradigm. No papers, no exams, just solid biblical teaching from experienced pastor professors. Individual and group rates available. RPTS, study under pastors. Learn more at rpts.edu. Well, they say uh, you can run, but you can't hide. Um, Karen Swallow Pryor is with us. Karen is the research professor of English and Christianity and Culture at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. She is the author of many wonderful works, most recently uh, on Reading Well, Finding the Good Life Through Great Literature, also the co-editor of Cultural Engagement, a crash course in contemporary issues and contributed to many other numerous books. Karen, welcome back. It's been a long time. Yeah, it has been a while. It's great to be back with you. Thank you. Karen, talk to us about growing up. Um, were you in a church when you were a kid? And if so, what was the church like? Uh, yeah, I basically grew up in the church. My uh, my parents, um, when I was born, they were Methodists, and I was baptized or confirmed or sprinkled in the Methodist church. But when I was mm-hmm. about uh, five, they went to, they switched to a Baptist church. And so um, I ended up, uh, when I was a little bit older, be, being baptized by immersion and, you know, and confessing that um, individual personal faith that I had in Christ. But I was still still quite young, so most of my memories are those of being a Christian, of trusting Jesus as my Savior, as praying to Him. Um, and so I grew up in the Church, um, but, you know, like all of us, we really do have to make our faith our own, and I had to do that as well. So, Karen, when you decided to make your faith um, your own, first off, how old were you? And was that a was that a process? Was that like a kind of a lightning bolt decision? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I mean, I got all the way through high school and college, really taking my faith for granted. Um, I grew up in an area where um, Christians are not uh, were not common. I was the only person in my friends friend group that went to church that was a Christian. Um, and eventually I just, you know, so I just took it for granted and sort of lived a double life in high school and college. Um, yet I always had this nagging sense that the Lord wanted me, loved me, and that I was running from him. And it wasn't really until I got into, um, into graduate school and really 
felt a, a confrontation because I was a Christian and trying to think like a Christian, and uh, there were no other Christians there in the program. And when I was being confronted with ideas that I knew were differed from the Bible, and I'm, I'm not talking about morality or culture, but just really um, even like reading literature and being able to tell what is good, true, and beautiful literature. Uh, my classmates had no basis or standard by which to judge literature, if, whether or not literature was good, true, or beautiful, and they said that, and I knew that was wrong. I knew that they were, you know, that God was a God of objective truth, and in searching for those answers, I actually, you know, kind of wove it all together and realized that this God who created words and language and the mind uh, was also the God that I had, you know, that I had, uh, had saved me when I was a little girl. Mm. And so um, that's when it became real to me. That's fascinating. So to recognize what you're reading, uh, whether it was good or true, right? And, and to know that in your heart of hearts because of your uh, follower and to see those around you who are not following along in that same tack, that, that had to be an eye opener and in many ways an encouragement to stay close to your faith. It really was. And it's funny because it was a class I was taking on writing reviews, like film reviews and book oh. reviews. And we were actually studying um, popular culture at that time. And and we were our professor was asking us to write reviews. And my classmates came to class one day and said that they didn't feel like they could even write a review because who are they to judge whether, you know, a book was good or not? What? And I struggled to answer, and I realized there is an answer, but I don't know it. I need to. I need to go do some reading and research, um, and start talking about about this. And uh, that that was just sort of a lightning bolt moment for me. Mm. Dr. Karen Swallow Pryor with us, research professor of English and Christianity and Culture at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, and author most recently of On Reading Well: Finding the Good Life Through Great Literature. Um, so the years that you've spent in the church, Karen, there've been a lot of years. I've been in the church a lot of years. So has John. Um, talk about what you do when your church disappoints you, um, whether that's hmm. the whether that's the building um, or that's the people or the program or the pastor or whatever. Worship leader. Yeah, worship leader. Right. <laughs> Um, well, you know, the church is full of people and people are always disappointing, right? Yes, right. Um, and yeah, and it's, and it's just, you know, I, I, I have never found a church that's just like me and that that's really a blessing, I guess. Um, and <laughs> <It is. Yeah. laughs> I guess one of me is enough. And, um, and we have to really think about, you know, we, we, we need to weigh priorities. And of course, in my own, um, church background for me, you know, preaching from the Word and beliefs about the authority of God's Word are, are first and foremost. Um, you know, worship style is something we have preferences for and size and those things. Um, and yet, I think through all of that, we just, because no church is perfect and they will disappoint us, um, we really need to seek the Lord, seek where He wants us. And it's not always just to make us happy or to fulfill our our preferences, but it's for the way that we can serve in that community and yes. um, be part of that body. And that's really what it is about, because there are a lot of, there are a lot of good churches. None of them are perfect, um, but, you know, God can use us at different times in different places in different um, parts of the church body. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm always, I always love this and you see this increasingly less and less. Uh, my wife has family and they live in a little town in uh, Missouri, Shelbina, Missouri. And uh, her aunt died recently and uh, we were there for the funeral and um, uh, she belonged to a church and it's sort of historic in our family. We talk about it lovingly, but you know, I've never been inside the church because the church is essentially closed, but uh, the cemetery around the church, Bacon Chapel. And so everybody belonged to Bacon Chapel in this small farming town. And this aunt had passed away. She was 90 years of age. And that was the church she was baptized in. And that was the Mm. church that there was her funeral at. And so increasingly that's gone away. You know, we're tend to be consumers. We're church shopping right now, but there's something I believe, you know, I can't speak to it firsthand because I've done the same thing. I've left churches. You know, there's something about being in the same community, whether it's in your hometown or in your own church where you're born, you live, you die, you know, the fabric, good and bad of the people. So as much as you may want to run away, you can't run away because that's your only option. That's right. I mean, we're we're much more rootless as a culture anyway. We don't even, many of us stay in the same place for our whole lives. And, and so that actually, I think, makes it even more important to kind of, um, once you are in a community for as long as you are there, to do the best that you can to, to stick to a church family. Um, and, uh, you know, my husband and I, we, the church that we went to before the one that we were part, are part of now, we, um, we, we spent about 10 years deciding whether or not we should stay there. Um, so, so it took us that long, uh, to make a decision that we knew we had, you know, we had to make, um, and so we didn't take it lightly and not that, you know, that there are lots of different, more dramatic reasons to, um, to go to a different congregation, but it is something we really need to take seriously. I mean, yeah. we think about, you know, marriage is a metaphor for the relationship of Christ and the church. And so even yeah. our church membership, we want to treat, um, seriously in that way. Yeah. Dr. Karen Swallow Pryor with us. Karen, you know, I want to go back to and maybe just talk about lament for a little, you know, with all of the scandals we've seen over the last, I don't know, eight years or something with every single denomination, you know, you name it, it's, you know, it. it it seems like most denominations have been sullied by some kind of horror story of, of moral ineptitude. And I don't know, sometimes I think that, you know, the appropriate, sometimes the appropriate response is to stay in a church. Like what you're talking about, sometimes the appropriate mm-hmm. response is to leave. Um, uh, but I think it's always appropriate to take time to lament over how wretched we are and what a horrible witness we have been as the capital C church uh, to so many people who are longing to see people who are full of truth and light and freedom and laughter and everything. And boy, it's just, um, we just really screw it up a lot. We do. And I think, you know, I, I, I know every age probably feels like it's the most dramatic and the worst age, but I, I've lived long enough where I can say that this period that we're in right now, these past few years really are the hardest, I think, within the church. I mean, I've, I've lived through sort of fighting the culture as part of the church, um, mm-hmm. us against them, but now it's us against us in many ways with all these scandals and these failures and these disappointments. Um, it's a very hard time right now, and, and the headlines that come out every day are pretty heartbreaking about our own brothers and sisters. But on the other hand, it just makes me... You know, it is God who is revealing these things that have been hidden, 
And it's as hard as it is, that's actually an encouragement. He is at work and he is revealing things that need to be hidden and need to be addressed. And that really is a mercy. Um, And that's really what gives me hope right now. That's so good. It really is a mercy. Yeah. That's well said. Hey, Care, um, before you leave us, you know, uh, you've been a writer. We've talked about uh, several of your books here on air. Uh, and I imagine that you consistently write, whether it's a day in or day out. But uh, what are you working on right now? Well, I'm just finishing up some edits on my next two um, entries in the Classics series with B&H Publishing. So mm. um, I just turned in some final edits for my edition of Jane Eyre, which ah! will be coming out in the spring. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I got so excited, so excited I yelped. Oh, that's a thrill. <laughs> and that will be accompanied by Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. <gasps> and so I'll be looking at some edits of those pretty soon, too. So I worked oh on those all summer. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah. So... Oh, Karen, you, you know, keep on working because I am loving it. I just want to say all those those nights that you've been up, you know, typing away (laughs) and it's three 30 and you should be asleep. Just think there are people out there like (laughs) Kathy Emmons who are really appreciating this. Very nice. Well, and I'm so glad to be able to serve the church with my love for literature. That is just a great, that's a great mercy and gift of God as well. Keep it going. Karen, Dr. Karen Swallow Pryor, her latest work on reading well, Finding the Good Life Through Great Literature. We'll t- take a quick break, step away. Uh, uh, you know, the things you hear now, it's science fiction <laughs> come to life. NASA yeah. says that it's looking for companies to mine the moon. How cool is that? Uh, we'll stick around with that and talk to that next. Each month, the kitchen calendar at our house flips over to a new month. Well, it was March, then April, May, June, July. August, September. And even though for a lot of people, this crazy pandemic feels like time has stopped or altered, time stops for no one. So what have you been waiting for? Because time moves on and time is money and it all feels overwhelming, but interest rates are so low and how low can they go? Low, low. So now is the time before the calendar flips over to a new month to make a change in your finances. United Faith Mortgage, where faith and family come first. And it's not just some cheeseball slogan. It's real. So have confidence that their direct lender advantage will save you money and stress. UnitedFaithMortgage.com. United Mortgage Court, Melville, New York. MLS number 1330. Department of Banking. Mortgage Lender License number 22672. If you're in HR, you're probably wearing a lot of hats. Recruiter, team builder, trainer, mediator, policymaker, and of course, paper pusher. But not anymore. Bamboo HR is the number one HR software for small and medium businesses. It manages all your employee data easily and automates countless tasks so you can focus on people, not paperwork. Bamboo HR frees you from spreadsheets so you can do your real job, creating a great place to work. If the data shuffle and paperwork mountain have you ready to hang up all your hats, you're ready for Bamboo. If you handle HR records and paperwork, Bamboo HR is a dream. Let us free up your time and put your days of pushing paperwork behind you so you can focus on the people and making your company a great place to work for everyone. Try PC Magazine's top pick for HR software free today. Just go to bamboohr.com HR. This is a limited offer only available to radio listeners at bamboohr.com HR. That's bamboohr.com HR. Hi, I'm John Henny from Henny Jewelers. Since 1887, my family has helped people celebrate the most memorable moments in their lives. We are rooted in faith and commit to doing the right thing again and again. We believe in the covenant of marriage and use our to have and to hold program to encourage couples as they prepare to spend the rest of their lives together. 
please stop into our Shadyside store to learn more or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. Right now, there are young people across the world facing a tough choice. Continue their dream of education or drop out to help their family put food on the table. You can help change their future in a single moment. See how far your support can go at unbound.org. There's a lot going on right now, and broadcasters are on the ground covering all of it, bringing you the weather, the traffic, and breaking news, all while entertaining you 24 hours a day. Someone needs to tell you what's going on around the world and in our hometowns, and that someone is us. We are free radio. We are always there. We are broadcasters. Visit wearebroadcasters.com or text radio to 52886 to learn more. Furnished by NAB and this station. Well, there's uh, certainly a lot of chaos on planet Earth. Nothing new under the sun there. However, outer space continues to beckon with a, a very cool, very cool call of what possibilities may exist in the future. Now today, check this out. NASA announced that they are looking for companies to collect rocks and dirt from the lunar surface and then sell them to NASA as part of a technology development program that would eventually help astronauts, quote, live off the land. In a tweet, NASA Administrator Jim Bredenstein wrote that the agency is, quote, buying lunar soil from a commercial provider. It's time to establish the regulatory certainty to extract and trade space resources. So um, a blog post uh, that he uh, quoted today, uh, Jim Bernstein, said that it would comply, NASA would comply with the Outer Space Treaty of 1967, which says that no country may lay sovereign claim to the moon or other celestial bodies. And uh, what they want to do is they'll hire uh, outside contractors, not just people from the United States, but international bids will be held. Now, those people who win the bids, they, in many ways, are responsible for developing the resources to get their men and machinery to the moon. And then once they start to do that, NASA will pay between $15,000 to $25,000 for 50 to 500 grams of material. Wow. Wow. So for every little bit of moon dust, wow. that's 1.7 ounces to 17 ounces, $25,000. So you can imagine once you're up and running, of course, that's huge technological leaps forward. You're going to make millions and billions of dollars, right? That is so cool. Uh, in wow. 2015, President Obama uh, uh, signed a law that uh, allowed U.S. companies the rights to any material that they mine on celestial bodies. But under this proposal announced today, the companies would then transfer that ownership of the something called Regolith to NASA. So then, you know, you're, you're in business for yourself, but then you have to sign an agreement to transfer that material to NASA at a price they're willing to pay. Holy cow. I got to tell you, that is way specialized work. I mean, I don't even know what the heck would go into putting a bid in for that. Well, machinery, living, I mean, fuel uh, to get there, all that stuff. I mean, mean, just to live there. That means that people are going to be living on the moon. You don't even know what tools you need to use. 
I wonder how far off that's, you know, wow. that's going to be. So uh, NASA is rushing back to the moon. Uh, the Trump administration, thank wow. goodness, 2024, we're supposed to finally go back to the moon after more than a 50-year absence. We had such a head start on all these nations, and then we let it lie fallow for all these many years. But they want to go to the South Pole and start to mine the water there because the water is the key for deeper, further exploration of Mars. So first on the moon, first to mine, you control an awful lot, even though nobody owns the moon. So wait, they're looking to 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 get water from the South Pole of the Moon. Yes, really. Right, water is deep beneath the surface on the South Pole. They know that as a certainty. Wow, very cool. Well, it makes my knowledge base seem really inconsequential. Right. Well, you you know you would think West Virginia is prime for that. All the miners from West Virginia, let's go to the moon, Alice. Yeah, all we have to do is get you to the moon. No That's big deal. Right. Have a great night. Hey, check out our podcast later on. It's up and running. See you tomorrow, God willing. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group.